This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Today's episode of Persuasion is sponsored in part by LifeWay's Christian Standard Bible. It's a translation that presents the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity. The CSB equips readers for lifelong discipleship with hundreds of designs to choose from at csbible.com. And I'll put those CSB details in the show notes for later so that we can pack as much as possible into this episode because, Hannah, we have not talked here for months. And just a few things have been going on since then. Just a few. Just a few. Now, Now, we have talked over yes. these months. Yes, you but and I have talked. This is our first episode of Persuasion since Thanksgiving time, and it's our first one of the new year. So happy new year, everybody, even though it's, you know, weeks into the new year. It it still counts, I think, because we're still fresh, right? I feel like we all needed a running start. <laughs> yes. 2021. Yes. And then when we all tried to even do that running start, we had like major things happening nationally and January felt so long Mm -hmm. like it felt like an entire year and and I remember having all of these hopes and dreams were coming out of 2020 we're gonna get ourselves you know wherever we need to be in 2021 we knew the problems weren't gonna go away we knew we still had to deal with things but it was kind of a chance to you know Get get back into the saddle and, and right. pick up things and, and, and move on. And goodness, didn't <laughs> January just smack us in the face? I remember about week two of January, somebody said, remember that Christmas was only like 15 days ago or something like that or 20 days ago. And I was like, that feels like an eternity. Like it felt so long and foggy, like so much had happened. And I... I could hardly remember the Christmas holiday or that break between Christmas and New Year's because I had a few days off in between, which was wonderful at the time, had no idea what was coming. And I thought the same thing, like, oh, good, we're starting a new year, 2020. What a strange year that was. And I was very happy, like everyone else. Let's put that aside. Let's move into 2021, knowing we still have the pandemic before us, but trusting that the vaccine is coming. I I really did feel like we've got to set our eyes on some hope here. And we're going to say that the new year is going to put us on the path to something new and different. And I didn't know how new and different it would really be. (laughs) I didn't know what was coming in the first week of January. (laughs) We did get different. And and we did anything. So, you know, I'm talking with Nathan over the last few weeks and we're all ready for let's just move on. You know, I don't know what the future brings, but I know I don't like the present. So let's just move on. And he keeps saying to me, this is back in December. He's like, 
I don't know. I just have a feeling something's going to happen. Something big's going to happen. And I'm like, well, maybe. But I mean, seriously. And he was speaking more politically. But I'm like, how much bigger can we get? I mean, like, legitimately, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We've had this massively... um divisive election cycle but at least we know you know like we're moving on for that some things are certain and we would hit each marker in december especially politically like you know states are certifying their elections okay this next point okay and we're just slowly working toward the next season and he's going i don't know i just have a feeling like something's going to happen and then january happens oh my word I, I don't know that I would have predicted that. I, I think it's interesting. Nathan obviously had a better sense of what was on the horizon than I did. I think I was holding out hope that um, if we just keep moving forward, things will just fade. Certain things would just fade away. And um, that did not happen. Um, I think most people, maybe even if they thought like Nathan, hey, something could happen, I don't know that anyone could have imagined what we saw on January 6th. And even some of the photos that were taken, it I still stare at them and think, that was real. That really yes. happened. And I think that's one of the remarkable things for me is the further I get away from like the events of January 6th with the uh, mob storming the Capitol, um, the further away I am from them, the more I'm understanding what they were. And and there is this like this sense of, oh, my word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what this is just serious. happened? And, and living through it, you don't quite grasp what's going on. Like you do have to have a little bit of distance to, to assess how did that happen? What happened? And so I feel like we're still in that place of kind of evaluating and defining what happened and where we are, too, as a nation. Well, and some of that confusion comes because of the previous months of confusion and division. And I think Everyone's trying to get a better grasp on what is true and what is real and um, how do we process different viewpoints, knowing that everyone might experience an incident from different angles, but the core of the event is real and true and it did happen. Um, I, I think that those contributing factors make this all the more difficult because we aren't all on the same page. And I think because of that, there's the the flurry of the conspiracy theory and and the question and the the fear is in there too. And so I think that makes this understanding all the harder. Yes. And and I think for me, what the events of January sixth did was it it made me realize the extent of the division that yeah. exists yeah. in this nation right now. So I don't see, um, you know, what happened on January 6th has a lot of different factors, like you said. It has a lot of different things that contributed to that particular moment. 
But that moment also was a revealing one because Mm. I'm sitting here watching the events play out and picking up the pieces afterwards. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, these people actually believe this. Mm -hmm. Like, these are not individuals who are acting out of... um, how do I say this? They're, they're not like um, doing this for personal gain. Right. Yes. They're not playing a game. Mm-hmm. They're not manipulating their circumstances. They are, that phrase that you hear sometimes in, in these spaces, true believers. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are sold out, committed, identifying, believing to the nth degree what, what, they believe has happened within the election cycle and in, in the government and all of this. And at that point I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a lot more serious in some ways mm-hmm. and a lot clearer in some ways. So I guess it's like you, you've not been feeling great and, and you know, something's not right, but then you find a lump. And right. you finally have the symptom. It's you finally realize, oh, this is something. This right. really it's is something. <laughs> finally grown to the place where you can define it and identify it and there's no denying it. Yes. Yeah, there's no longer is it like, yes, we kind of see it on the edges and we don't know how far in it goes. And then you realize, oh, no, it's pervasive and it's everywhere. Yeah. I, I think another thing that has been on my mind um, in the past month or so is that we, as as Christians, our, our passion is for what is true and, and Jesus being truth. And because of that, there are lovely things about that, like we've got to stand by truth. But then the question is, but what is truth? <laughs> and I think... It has been unsettling to me that even among believers, there are different perspectives of what is true and what is real. And that to me has been the most unsettling is that, oh, even within, let's say, the body of believers, even within the church universal, there are different variations on what is true in life. And I think the assumption is because we can know that Jesus is truth, then therefore everything else, it is either true or false, and you are either in or you're out. And especially when it comes to all the things with the pol- the political um, questioning of the election, it's sort of like, oh, no, there's an absolute truth and you must believe this thing or you're not a real Christian. That part of it is very unsettling for me because there's this melding of the faith aspect into the political aspect. And I don't know how that gets teased out. Right. So I think at an existential level, that is terrifying. And I'll just be completely honest about that because I don't mind differences of persuasion or opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind argumentation about the best way forward and policy. I don't even mind, you know, debating with a person that 
um, such and such a party is the only one Christians can support because of this central voting issue. Like, sure. I don't even mind that. That is something that I can deal with. I'm familiar with. I don't like, but I can process. Mm-hmm. What I have realized and has been such a deep, uh, deeply unsettling thing is that we are at the point when I can say to someone, Christians need to pursue truth. And they will agree with me profoundly. And then I will say, that's why we can't believe X, Y, Z. And they will say, no, that's why I must believe X, Y, Z. Right. So the lack of shared meaning that when we make this statement like we we agree Christians must pursue truth and what we hear and understand the the lived implications of that are diametrically opposed mm-hmm. and i feel like there's no having the conversation at that point it's so hard to keep at it i think i think you're right hannah i I feel like there's some exasperation there where I feel like, oh, my goodness, like, how do we keep on when we have completely different definitions of what this means? And it is frustrating and exhausting. And yet, I feel like this is the work. And it it reminds me, I mean, on a much less um, important scale when I'm working with my um, nonprofit clients and I'm talking through communication principles, I will be using terms and phrases and they're using terms and phrases. And really just in the last week, I realized what I meant by my phrase was not what they meant by their phrase. And so we had planned several months of communications and I was saying, oh, this is what this communication is for. And they were like, yes. And then I realized when we got closer to it, we weren't talking about the same thing at all. And we had to rework some planning and and yeah, minor, but who knew that we weren't using the same terms in the same way? But it has to then back up and you have to start over. And I think that's really the question. Can we say, let's back up, let's make sure that we've got the same ideas in place for these words that we're using, and then start fresh so that we're heading in the same direction? But then that begs the question, do we want to do that? Like, are we so tied to our definition? We're saying, I don't, I don't want to change. And I think that's the part that scares me more. Not so much that there's all the work to do, but do we want to change? And do we want to um, have clarity on it? That's what I right. hope Where for. Where are the commitments there on yeah. both sides? Like, yeah. is there a desire to move toward understanding? Is yeah. there a desire... It's not even this question, like we hear the word unity being, you know, bantied about um, right now, but um, it's not about unity. It's do we even want understanding? Do we even care to know and hear what someone else means, even if that meaning doesn't align with our meaning and even if we don't agree at the end? So I I do fear like we're at a point where like people don't even care if they misunderstand each other. Like it's not even something they're attempting to overcome. It's not even about persuasion at this point. It's about basic understanding and people really 
are struggling to care if they are understood or misunderstood or if they misunderstand. And I think for me, um, obviously, I, I do a lot of my work within the evangelical subculture, within the church. And one of the things that I find so difficult is something that I thought I had a category of shared meaning with folks really doesn't exist as mm -hmm. much as I thought it did or I hoped it did. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that I don't have shared meaning with people who don't share my faith or are outside of um, the church, which I think you have a level of expectation. Yeah. Yes. With that, you're like, well, we have different categories. Of we have different goals. We, we right, have different right. things that we're even purporting to pursue or to value. It's the people that are saying they want the same things as me. <laughs> right. It's the people that I, I am living with and saying, yes, we all want these same things. And then when we start talking, it's like, oh, we actually are not talking about the same thing at all. No. Um, and so I, I find that adds a layer of angst that I'm not sure, like everybody's got their own angst, no matter right. where you sit, right? But I think for me, the part that's been most difficult to process and carry is um, that level of religious affiliation mm -hmm. or thinking, well, even if I, I don't have the same goals as these other people, at least I have the same goal as these people. And um, now that seems to be and gone And now too. that's in question <laughs> as well. What is so hard is um, starting these conversations with people and not knowing where it's going to go. Um, having that undercurrent of like, ooh, I'm not sure that we want the same things. I'm not sure that we are in agreement. And how do you, how do you have those conversations? How do you explore where is someone coming from and what's informing their thinking? And part of that is being curious about other people and um, fighting back that fear that I know I have felt where, oh, no, what if we don't think the same? And and seeing that wherever there's difference, that's where we can explore and learn in the hope that we can all move forward and be refined. And so that finding of that space and and looking at it as opportunity that's the hard part and i feel like that's what i have to fight for is don't shy away from the conversations just because it may reveal what i fear which is we don't think the same at all um but to actually press into those conversations and um hope that there's growth and that the understanding will help everybody in um pursuing their faith in a better way in the public sphere. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. 
Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And you know, Erin, um, as much as I feel this tension internally, um, that even within the church or within our religious communities, we don't have a, a common meaning mm-hmm. or even common goals. Um, I, I guess that's also adds to my level of angst to say, well, if we can't even understand each other, there's no way that the broader world can understand what we're saying. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned the idea of, you know, our witness in the public sphere. And and a lot of folks have talked about the fact that our our witness has been damaged by our Mm -hmm. political involvement. People don't trust evangelicals, they don't trust Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I absolutely think there's been a damage to our witness in terms of our credibility. But I think one of the things I'm struggling with beyond that is we aren't even speaking the same language as people outside of this space. And so like, even if we wanted to try to witness to the glory of Christ or we wanted to try to carry some kind of public witness forward, it's like we are getting up on our platforms and and we're speaking out into the masses and we're speaking French and our audience <laughs> speaks English. Mm-hmm. And and we've we've contented ourselves that we have witnessed. Yes. Because, because we spoke it. Right. Uh-huh. We've said the words that we were required to say, and that will help us feel like we are testifying to Jesus Christ. And, you know, the audience around us, the masses are just like looking at us saying, I have no idea what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really feeling this weight of loss of shared meaning, Mm -hmm. shared categories, shared questions, even shared goals. Um, it's not a loss of shared solutions or, or shared thinking. Like, I don't even think the goal should be we all come to the same conclusions. Mm-hmm. But, but I do feel like identifying this moment, defining it clearly for what it is, we do have to face the fact that we have very few common reference points. Mm, yeah. Yes, as far as um, how we operate and our values in the world. And it's almost like um, if we're seeing this sort of fragmentation, let's say within the body of believers, wow, all the more so in terms of how we relate to society as a whole. And where can we find some of those connections? That's really the question is, are we looking for places to to connect and looking for some of that shared space and and finding ways where we can say, hey, we actually are more similar than than we fear. Mm-hmm. And that's really the motivation here. And I think that the 
that picture for me is like, oh, are we looking? Are we curious? Are we are we seeking for ways to to find the things that we do have in common instead of looking at all the places where we differ and and focusing on that division? That's a really good question, Hannah, because the goal is not for all of us to think the same, exactly the same and to be like robotic. So maybe that's helpful is to say, hey, even though we don't all think exactly the same and, and pursue life in the same way, there are some things that are shared and that helps us to live together, even if we don't all think the same thing. Right. And I'll take it one further where I believe, given the way I understand my Christian witness and the responsibility that we carry as, as Christians within society, I would say that it is our unique responsibility to reach out and to begin that process. Like, I don't see this as something where we meet each other halfway and the other person has to come toward me. Mm. I I believe that that being um, a Christian and and naming myself and claiming that identity means I'm going to have to act in the way that God acts and the way Christ acts. And one of the fundamental truths of the gospel is that God moves toward us first, that, that Jesus came to us, we didn't go toward him. And so I think there's a level of responsibility that that Christians carry in this moment, those who truly want to model and embody um, Christ's witness in the world, that, that we are the ones that have to first identify the disconnects and then take responsibility for them insofar as we can. Um, and, and I think particularly of um, the example of Paul at Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. So, I was thinking so, that too. Yeah, so yeah. Acts 17, where he, he comes into this um, space um, at Athens and he sees all of this really cultural division. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's worshiping a different God on a different value system. And he moves into that. And he takes responsibility to speak to them. And he takes responsibility to create that base level common ground that then can invite them into greater truth and clarity. And, and really what's beautiful about that is he begins with the basics of reality. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't start with, well, what can we agree about in policy or what can we agree right. about <laughs> in religion? He doesn't start with what can we agree about, like, where we are. He draws them back to the very most basic kind of assumptions about creation, existence, Mm -hmm. and things that seem so elementary, but you have to start there. It's almost as if he's like, all right, we can't agree about a lot of things, but can we all just say the sky is blue? Can we start there? (laughs) In finding the one thing that we could possibly agree with. I, I like that, Hannah. I think that that you are right in saying that there are these basic components and pieces of life and humanity where we're all in this and we all experience these things. And I would say that's one of the things from 2020 that has rested on me is this feeling of um, our humanity and our frailty and our finiteness, um, that aspect of it, it's like, oh, it's right here and we are all staring it down. And I feel like that levels it out and it is the reminder that we are all here on this earth for 
a time. And that is something we all have to deal with. So that I think that's one of those components is just looking at the fact that we will uh, inhabit this life for a certain number of years and we all will face death. And that to me is a unifier. Like, don't we all look at that and think, oh, well, this isn't what I had in mind. Like, I would like to just have perfect health and live on and on, like, you know, as I would like it to be. And and so I think that recognizing that we all sense um, our impending end of days, I think we need to recognize these things and say, yeah, me too. I, I deal with that mm-hmm. too. And having that sense of like, how do you deal with that? And what do you think of that? And how does that stir up your emotions? And then how does that then play out in your life? So I think that these are the things that we can be curious about and look for and find in um, in these conversations ahead, which is what we're doing here. It's um, this is the kickoff for our new series, which we are calling Common Ground. So I think that this will be um, a good way for us to be curious and to find these commonalities in the public sphere. Yeah, and I think it's something that Christians generally haven't been, or at least American Christians haven't been discipled in these ways, to think of those base level shared human questions and human concerns. Because I think more often we've been discipled to think of Christians as the called out ones. So our entire identity and sense of self is established by being different than these other people. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's absolutely a paradox that exists, right? So we are both the same and we're different at the same time. But I think we've neglected the conversations about our common humanity, common burdens, common work, common struggles. And one of the things I see both in Paul's sermon at Acts 17 and in the book of Ecclesiastes, um, because the preacher really gets to these kinds of base level existential questions to kind of um, call his people um, into a greater understanding of who God is. He starts with these, uh, who are we? What are we doing here? Mm -hmm. But the role that um, nature plays in both places is really significant. And I think it's something that we would miss if we didn't pay attention to it. And this is this is what I'm getting at. If I'm trying to establish kind of base level frame of reference, shared meaning, common understanding with someone, I really can't use the scripture. Mm. Now, I might be able to do that with someone who claims to honor it and obey it and use it as their rule of life. So maybe, maybe sure. within the Christian community, I can appeal to that. I doubt anymore that I can. Well, yeah. I like, mean, we've seen that's not like, always the case. Yeah. I'm really struggling with, with whether that's even possible within the Christian community. But what we can appeal to is general revelation. You know, throughout church history, um, folks have talked about the fact that God wrote two books. God wrote the scripture and he wrote the book of nature. And I think, and I'm really convinced as we're trying to find common ground, not just with each other within the church, but but outside of the church with with those who we, we are living with as good neighbors, we really do have to get back to things that are shared in a way that we can all affirm. 
And, mm, and I think mm-hmm. this is even harder for Christians who see nature and have used nature not as a common language or a shared reality, but who have used it as an apologetic. Mm. So it's not just getting back to nature, sharing common kind of realities or common reference point. It's actually that we're going to have to shift from trying to use nature to bolster our own arguments. I think that that question of how we see nature, and I, I think it's interesting how you use how you um, have that phrase, how we use it, use nature. That's interesting to me um, because I think of nature as being um, something that forms me. Like I, I look at nature and it beckons my heart and it reminds me that I am small on the face of the earth. And it's interesting that we think that we could turn around and use nature for our own means. You know what I mean? Like to to win an argument or to um, to convince someone of something where it's like, oh man, let's just all stand in awe. Like if you go to the Grand Canyon, you just all take it in together and think, wow, that's amazing. And that's like beyond who we are. Like we can realize how small we are on the face of the planet. So I think that um, what you're proposing here is helpful and kind of orienting ourselves within um, life and history and also in the scope of the universe. And um, I wonder if by looking at the greatness of nature and how nature, um, God has shaped it to build this world and to build our existence and we're within it. I think that that's going to be really helpful. And I I do, I don't want to miss the chance just to give a shout out because Hannah, you have been working on these ideas and your most recent book, Turning of Days, just came out and I just want to tell everybody it's so great. And I'll 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 put that in the show notes too. Um but you've talked about nature and you've looked at the turning of seasons and I love that too because I feel like looking at our lives in the turn of seasons and how these things are happening and we can't stop them or alter them. I feel like that also gives us a grounding that we need and a a perspective and a humility that we need, that things are in operation and running and we don't get to use them or change them or, um, or influence them in any way. Right. And I think if there's one thing that we are struggling with in this moment It's that we have perhaps put ourselves and our own opinions and our own tribes in the center Mm, of mm -hmm. our process. And so we're very um, individualistic. We're very anthrocentric. And so one of the things I think that we need to do if we are going to find common ground and even attempt to understand each other is we've got to center ourselves properly within Mm -hmm. reality and within the world at large. And so one of the things that I'm hoping with the book, um, you know, that's come out recently is that it would help folks reorient themselves, not just to creation, but to God and to each other. Um, And so I'm excited for this series because it's a bit of a task. I think I'm, I'm trying to suggest something that's 
grand, but also eminently practical. And the question we're going to explore in the next seven episodes is if we reoriented ourselves within the natural world, if we were trying to find meaning and significance and purpose and common ground with other creatures who share this world with us, what would that look like? What kind of base level assumptions can we agree upon, not from scripture or even the Constitution, because I think we're even past that point in American (laughs) society. (laughs) What are the kind of base level things that we can agree upon about our common humanity, our common uh, communication, our common struggles, our common work, um, even our common hopes and dreams. And and I'm really, I know it's a big task, but but I think it's really one of the few ways forward right now. I would agree. And I think for the, the conversations that we have outlined and the guests, we have a couple of guests that we're thinking of and getting all of those conversations put in order. I really do think that this will bring a sense of... Um, like feet on the ground and and like a, a sense of stability. I feel like that's something that I have been longing for is like, wow, a lot is going on and I just sort of need to get a grip or get a sense of like, I am, I'm on stable, steady ground in my faith, but what does that mean as far as seeing the world and seeing people in a certain way and connecting with God? So that's our hope here for this upcoming series called Common Ground. Um, We're looking forward to digging into that, and we do hope that you'll come back for this um, whole series. We've We've got seven conversations outlined, and it'll start up next week. But that really does it for this episode. I think we've done a um at least cracked open all the questions, which we love to do. So um, be sure to come back next week and we'll dig in even further. And as always, if this resonates with you, we would love to hear what you're thinking. Um, You can find us at Twitter at PersuasionCAPC. You can always jump on and catch up on previous episodes at our um, website, Persuasion podcast.buzz. And if you are a member of uh, the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum, uh, we're back. (laughs) We're back to recording and chatting about things. Um, So feel free to throw up a thread or start a thread or um, just tag us and stuff there. If you're not a member of the Members Forum and you would like to join in those conversations, you can become a member um, for just $5 a month and support this work as well as all the other articles and and um, podcasts that Christ and Pop Culture produces. Thanks again to LifeWay's Christian Standard Bible for supporting this conversation. Persuasion is produced by Jonathan Clausen, and it's part of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at ChristandPopCulture.com or search for Christ and Pop Culture at iTunes. And thanks to all of you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at ChristandPopCulture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part 
by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.